Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of The Spilled Tea. I'm your host, Emmy Morgan, and I am on the phone today with award-winning writer, actor, and director. I'm going to pronounce it right, I think. Armin Nasiri. Is that correct? Armin Nasiri. Or Nasiri Nasiri. Nasiri. I was so close. I thought it was you were much more closer than uh, <laughs> compared to other people. You didn't you didn't butcher the name completely. No, so I give you points for that. Oh, good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, how I know Armin, right? Armin. Yeah. Armin. Armin. Armin is um, Armin through an amazing guy named Matt Chapin. I. I love Matt, and he suggested I speak with you. He said, you know, you guys will get along great. Armin is a great guy, and I'm like, okay, fine. Um, I did, <laughs> and I I told you I would, but I did see his pictures, and I was like, oh, Armin is cute too. So um, buck the tradition of directors looking like <laughs> – I don't know, short Martin Scorsese, tall, dark, and handsome. I have to say, I was I was pretty impressed. Oh, um, thank you for uh, the compliment. Uh, a shout out to uh, Matt Chasen. Um He is not <laughs> only uh, just a talent manager, but he's also a champion of yeah artists of all uh, ethnicities. And he and I, um, really, and I, think, and I thank him for that. And he's so good at seeing the good in people. And one thing he did tell me about you, which I appreciated, was he said, um, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact words. He says that you like to do projects that are um, showcasing different people in everyday situations or. I think I'm like totally messing up what he said, but basically he just said that you like to to show different people in like basically ordinary situations. So a love story about let's say a black woman and a white man, or a love story about a trans man and a woman. Those are the types of things that you like, and that I appreciated that. Thank you. I mean, that's um, that's the reason why I wanted mm-hmm. to be a director because I originally started as an actor. You know, I was okay. at the time um, my main my mind frame was just to take other people's material and bring it mm-hmm. to life. And as I got mm-hmm. older, I started to you know gradually you know find my voice, and I just felt like there was in um. I think one of the reasons why um, I've, movies have just become stale, uh, especially mm-hmm. especially in the mainstream, is besides the reboots and you know the mm-hmm. sequels, 
there is really not a, a lot of like raw storytelling, and we have to leave yeah. that up to the independent filmmakers, uh, whether they're man or woman or, or, or gay, straight, you know, or, or or transsexual or black or brown. And I think it's time for all of us to tell stories from our point of view. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. the mainstream, uh, the writers, I feel like don't have been that much. They don't. They don't have that much. Uh, experience or they just want to stick to their narration of what works for them and Mm -hmm. a lot of it has been stereotypes and a lot of us have lived in the united states for a long time we live in the american dream we are we want the same opportunities as everyone else and it's not really put out there there's not a really Mm -hmm. strong representation right completely agree let me um first before we get into all that because i have so many questions about that. Let's go all the way back. So you're from where? I'm uh, originally from North Carolina. I was uh, mm-hmm. born and raised in uh, Winston-Salem. And I lived there my okay. whole life. And, nice. And then I spent the last two years in Wilmington, North Carolina. That's where the, um, a lot of like movies and, and television are being, being yeah. shot. And I was there the last two years before I'm um, Packed my bags and moved to California with my family. Yeah, like Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill. Um, so, what do your parents do that you didn't want to follow? Like, what what do they do for for work? Well, my uh, my dad's an architect. Uh, he uh, built houses wow. uh, for a living. Wow. I did and, not. Uh, my mom was a hairstylist. Oh, okay. But, um, um, how did they feel my, uh, when you? Go ahead. Oh well, no. my uh, yeah, my dad. You know, he he built uh, houses for a living, but then he had uh, he had another uh, side of him. He was also a very talented painter, and he mm-hmm. would always like paint something on a canvas, you know, in his office. And I would like be exposed uh, to the different paintings, you know, in our household, and that was inspiration. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, they were also traditional parents. You know, they. Um, uh, wanted uh, you know, a safety net, you know. They wanted uh, me to have a, a a job that you know guaranteed that there there'd be money like in your bank account. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and definitely want you to have a backup plan in case the dream doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. In case the dream doesn't work, they always look at yeah. You, know, you for, for you, you want the art to be your primary like job, uh, the ultimate goal, mm-hmm. but they look at it as a hobby. But you don't want to you don't want mm-hmm. it to be a hobby. You, you want it to keep. Uh, pursuing it, you know, until you, mm-hmm. you know, eventually, you know, you know, get a break in something, but you know, of course, all that takes time, and right. Um, sometimes, like they're afraid of uh, of you failing, but you have to fail mm-hmm. in order to have more door, have a door open for you. What did you do while you were trying to chase your dream? What other jobs did you do? I mean, I worked a lot of. Uh, I mean, I worked I worked a lot of odd jobs. Of course, like mm-hmm. on the side. Uh, at mm-hmm. the same time, um, you know, being like you know, creative. Because uh, I I started off uh, you know as an actor, and mm-hmm. I was working on on uh, just you know projects with my friends, and you know just take I mean I you know took job you know doing uh, background work. Uh, this was in uh, North Carolina, which was like a free right. film school, and oh, you were still okay. getting paid. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. And uh, not have to worry about you know going to a, a four-year school and spending so much money and, and coming mm-hmm. out with uh, student loan debt. I mean, I was there 
around like cast and crew and I saw how they were um, um, operating and, and, and being exposed to you know cables and cameras um, mm-hmm. and the whole like level hierarchy uh, on the set and then when I um, when I moved to California you know the path was to go for acting and I studied at uh, an acting school and after the program mm-hmm. was done uh, I realized that you know, I didn't want to just you know go audition, and like be mm. um, a victim of other people's decision. I I was very inspired by like Robert Townsend and, and Warren Beatty and and John Favreau, uh, where mm-hmm. they got to create their own projects, and e- even like in starring in some of them. And I used that as a, as a template, and then I went to um, LACC and I started taking home courses, and then I. Made this one. Uh, I made a. I made a few like short films, and then, then I made another short film with uh, my group of friends, like six people. Uh, it's a hundred dollars in a camera, and the premise was wow. this suicidal guy, who uh, meets this uh, human trafficking victim, and they're running away from mm-hmm. her captors, and then they uh, fall in love, and then uh-huh. the girl discovers uh, a note in his wallet and she suspected he was associated with the cartels and he's like completely oblivious because there's a language barrier Like she speaks French, she speaks English, so they can't understand each other. And it was this, um, this eerie, uh, project I put together and it was like well-received in my, in my class. And it was like my first, uh, realization. It was like of my capability to tell, um, a story visually and I never mm-hmm. knew that it just happened accidentally and I was never yeah. expecting uh, to direct I mean I had that desire um, but um, at the time my, my first love was still acting and I still felt like well I need more resources I still need to uh, to learn more and so so when Jump was like well received that's the, the title of the short I started working almost every position you could think of. I mean, I did, you know, uh, second AD, I did editing, I did, you know, boom operating, I did uh, art department, I did crowds and services, I did production assistant, uh, about almost every position in, uh, except makeup because I'm terrible at that. And uh, <laughs> and then I, I, I wanted to uh, work all those positions so I could be more well-rounded. And I would work mm-hmm. on, like, all these, like, projects. And... um you can just tell based on who's directing it uh, and you can just look at the cast and it's always like a reflection of what uh, the director looks like. I would always run into, I would always um, get on set and there was like a very diverse uh, crew, but then the mm-hmm. cast is one demographic, you know? Mm-hmm. And I imagine, well, shouldn't films also, shouldn't films be inclusive both in front of the camera and uh, behind the camera? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. And um, wow. so then, so then I started uh, uh, Polar in the World Productions. So uh, when I was in uh, home school, and I wanted that to, the, that brand to be, you know, inclusiveness both front and behind the camera. And that's when I really started to, uh, you know, to, to find my voice. When I worked on this one particular project, I was doing art department for about this young uh, uh, black kid um, kind of getting his like bicycle for the first time at, at age thirteen. And it was like during like the Rodney King riots, 
and how mm-hmm. we like recreated that whole like scenario in a neighborhood in the South Central, and how everyone came together to help like tell that story. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely gave me like a social conscious. You know, I feel like I wow. want to see more of these stories like come to life. You know, the the stories that people are afraid to put out because you know it's the truth. You know, it's you know a, a story that holds a mirror in our society. Mm-hmm. And and then I start and then around um, I think around uh, 2013, at that point I already uh, I became a homeowner, and this mm-hmm. idea came to my my mind about a, a a homeowner who was like a widower, and his son living in a remote town, and I started reminiscing on my uh, background I and mean, my my dad being a landlord and always going to rental homes with him where he would pick up a rental check or taking care of maintenance work and I thought like this whole like concept of well, what if like what if the person who was the source of your income disappeared without a trace and I took the idea and I wrote a treatment and then from a treatment it turned into a screenplay and I felt like as you know an Iranian American there wasn't a lot of movies uh, mainstream of people that look like me at all, mm-hmm. everything um, revolving with uh, versions was always political, but it was never yeah. uh, a story just about a human just wanting to, you know, trying to survive or trying to find love. Mm-hmm. And I made it very. Uh, I was very adamant that the story, if I bring it to life, it has to start a family who looks like me, because that yeah. and, and just get and and it eliminate any of the stereotypes and show them as actual yep. character arcs and not just making their ethnicity as a character. And I so that. I brought, uh, I brought uh, Kristen West on board who totally, you know, believed in me. She loved the project. She took, um, she stepped to the role, uh, the lead role and we mm-hmm. shot and like big bear. We filmed in Ojai. We filmed, uh, in North Hollywood. And I was just thinking, well, because me being a Albert Hitchcock fan and loving um, Stephen King stories, you know, what if I tell that story and it just happens to have a family of people who look like me. And it was, mm-hmm. I, I never, you know, I just made that just to get my feet wet as a director and I never even expected it to go on to uh, win a dozen awards and receive several nominations and getting a, a Rondo Hatton classic horror award, uh, honorable mention. Wow. And what's the name of this project? Uh, it's called Seeking Valentina. And it's, um, you can watch it on, on Bitmovio. It's a uh, streaming platform. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's like listening, uh, it's called Seeking Valentina. Mm-hmm. Just go on, uh, on the Bitmovio website. And I love hearing that, you know, when you started talking, it was resonating with me because my friends have always told me, listen, you're going to be on TV, you're going to be a famous writer. And I'm like, you guys can write. No, I could never. You were acting. That was your thing. And you just happened to direct. And look at where it's led to you. Like, that's amazing to hear. You know who else that happened to? You're going to be very surprised by this. Or you might even already know. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand was a Broadway actress. She did not even think about singing. One of her friends said, go up and sing. She's like, I'm not a singer. I don't want to do that. Just, just do it. Just try it. 
from that one experience when she went up to people on stage and sang, which she had stage fright the whole time. She still suffers from stage fright, by the way. Mm-hmm. She got the singing bug. So she singing is her second passion, even though it's what she's first known for. So I just want everybody listening to understand, if you think you can't, go towards it. Because guess what? You probably can. This man has won awards doing something that he didn't even he didn't even primarily want to do. He stumbled on it. And look at look at what he's doing. I'm so proud of you. I'm so Thank proud you. of you. I mean, I I didn't even expect it. I mean, I've always like right. arts. I mean, I've I've always had mm-hmm. that uh, desire. It um, it just I never expected uh, that my movie's taste will change uh, as I got older because mm-hmm. I started to get into like uh, the arts uh, in high school. Uh, I, I took mm-hmm. like acting and then I fell in love with it. And then um, because my uh, older brothers were um, they were watching a lot of like the the movies from auteur directors. And I was interested mm-hmm. in Lawrence Scorsese and Alfred Hitchcock and, and uh, Stanley Kubrick and Brian De Palma mm-hmm. and Sidney Lumet. And then it's, it changed the way I view movies. When, when I was introduced to, you know, films of like Goodfellas and Clockwork Orange and Taxi Driver, it totally changed the way I look at movies. It felt like uh, a visual book. Mm-hmm. You weren't just looking at a film. You were looking at, okay – that angle, okay, that shot. Oh, I see why they did that. Ooh, what's that shadow? Yeah, I probably would have done that different. Yeah, I can see how they that. move this camera. You know how they go about this right. whole like car chasing scene. You know, uh, right? You know how they how they if this was in New York, how they pulled this off. You know, and um, <laughs> that's all amazing. these like things, all these like questions uh, that you were curious about. Like, how the how did they do this? Mm-hmm. And then um, and then something uh, happened. Um, I um. There was a uh, an Iranian family that my parents were friends with, and mm-hmm. I would like you know go over to their house, and I knew they had two kids who were grown up, but I never like met them. They were already like um, moved on um, into their uh, adult life, and uh, yeah. as I got older, my my uh, friendship with the, the Iranian couple blossomed, and the mm-hmm. woman uh, told me you know my son. Uh, we, was that went to uh, you know, Chicago, and he uh, studied. Uh, you know, he went to Second City, and then he became one of the writers of SNL. And she showed me uh, wow. tapes of him uh, doing skits on uh, Conan O'Brien, and his mm-hmm. name was uh, Ali Farinakian. And I'm like, wow, like this guy is from the same town as me. He's from the same mm-hmm. town as me. He looks and sounds like me, and he wrote for SNL. He's on Conan. And then he went on to become one of the uh, the founders uh, of the Upright Citizens Brigade with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Wow! And that was like inspiration. And then I was with my uh, my family friends, who was another uh, first generation Iranian American, just like myself. And he says, "Hey, man, mm-hmm. I was in a this short film, and he he plays a short film, and the guy who directed it went to school with my older brothers." And I met him one time, one time when I was a kid, and then he went off to Columbia, and then I found out he became a filmmaker. And this man was named Rami Barhani, who went on to direct 99 Homes and HBO's Fahrenheit 451. Wow! And that's what like woke me up. That's what was like, oh my god! I can this do guy that. Made a movie. Mm-hmm. 
This guy is also from my yeah. town who looks and sounds like me, and he made a movie. <laughs> if he, I mean, when you see somebody who looks like you, when you're a minority, especially in North Carolina, and you see somebody who looks like you, I mean, it has nothing to mm-hmm. do with, like, um, any, like, race of superiority. It's just like, well, we, we, have, we don't have as many doors open for us, but this guy made it. He, he did something. That mm-hmm. If he could do it, I can do it. Yeah. That's Sometimes amazing. it takes that level of confidence, man, to really um, you go for what you want. Push you. Mm-hmm. And if you ever need an Iranian actor in Hollywood, his name is Dominic Adams. Let me tell you, not only is he good-looking, and he's an incredible actor. He is such an incredible actor. I've followed him. He was on this show called um, Devious Maids, and it's a, it was like a nighttime soap. And then he was on, like you had said, kind of breaking stereotypes, but he was, you know, on this show called Six, where he was a stereotypical Iranian bad guy. They, they killed his brother, and he was out for revenge. I would love to see him in a movie where he finds a love interest. He's such an amazing actor, and he's got so much potential. And I think he is just—he just needs the right project. He is so amazing. Um, yeah, I'll have I, to I, show you his info. He's awesome. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm glad to hear more of uh, more Middle Easterns out there uh, mm-hmm. going for their dreams. I mean, I—I I mean, I want everyone, um, you know, to follow their dreams, no matter what, you know, gender or ethnicity they are. I, I want more filmmakers uh, to just take mm-hmm. risk and just try uh, something that no that nobody hasn't done before. I mean, I w- with Sticky Valentina, I went completely out of the box. I casted a mm-hmm. plus-size woman as a leading uh, love interest. Wow. She was, she was in movies in the mainstream. She would, she would either be like the best friend or the funny psychic. Right. I casted uh, an Indian laugh. guy. Mm-hmm. I casted an Indian guy as a psychiatrist. Instead wow. of casting a, a six-year-old white man, I casted a younger Indian man, and it worked. If you had the chance to take a mainstream movie and recast it, which movie and what would the cast look like? Oh, my God. That's a, that's a really good question. <laughs> Because there's, there's there's movies that I love, um, mm-hmm. they maybe not have may not have the most inclusive cast, but it's just such a good movie. I don't want to touch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I maybe, probably uh, would do um, August Osage County. I would love to see okay. a black family do that. I would love it because that would just break. Like, I just think it would be amazing. I think that would be an amazing movie to see a black family. Yeah, that would be. Uh, I if I had to pick, I would definitely want to see uh, uh, like a James Bond movie. Oh yeah, there is a female James Bond that is going to be a black woman. It's it's upcoming soon, very soon. I think the next one after this one. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I don't think, uh, yeah, because I mean, now they have to keep um, finding new sources now. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because I don't think there's no more books that they can base it off of. I mean, they could always go back and redo one of the old James Bond books and make it, you know, yeah. the female, but I mean, sure, whatever. And um, they did that with Christina Royale. Like, it started off as a spoof, and then they made a serious yeah. version. I know. They I know. That was so strange. I was like, wait, wasn't this a spoof? I'm so confused. Um, what are some of your current projects that you are working on? Well, um, right right now I have a um, a short film called The Carding Call that's in the uh, mm-hmm. festival circuit. And that's, an, uh, that's another um, thriller uh, or horror comedy where it stars uh, Candace Callens, who's uh, uh, an actress that um, this, uh, people should look out for. She's a great talent, you know, and this film uh, won Best Ensemble not once but twice. Nice. Um, and we were been very humbled that it garnered, you know, 13 awards um, from Best Thriller to uh, Sherry Davis as Best Supporting Actress. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, honorable mention for, like, Candace, Callens. Um, it's um, about a, uh, a a woman who's, like, driving uh, at nighttime around the after hours, you know, trying to make mm-hmm. ends meet as a, a, a food carrier. Okay. And um, And it's, like, with the whole like LA uh, nighttime backdrop in the film, it's mm-hmm. like uh, very. Uh, I would say it, it, it was definitely inf- um, like Mulholland Drive was like a uh, influence visually, mm-hmm. and um, I took also influences from like Wim Wenders because a lot of his films that he has like the, uh, a road movie where a few people are driving, mm-hmm. and I thought well that's a, that's mm-hmm. a great way to have all your friends. Uh, uh, music, you know, uh, playing on like the radio, and every time there's like a transition, and um, and I took also uh, from this, uh, the late Iranian director uh, Abbas Kiarostami, and the the conversations, mm-hmm. um, you know, inside the car. Yeah, and, and that's another uh, another film where it's basically casting uh, actors against type, and just continuing to uh, maintain my brand and giving voice to the voiceless. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's the amazing to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait for you to see it. Uh, and I have this um, this feature film documentary that I'm working on with uh, Kristen West, who um, worked with worked with me in uh, Siki Valentina. Uh, it's called George Hobbs' uh, Stick Picker with them, and it's about a, um, a contemporary uh, painter named George Hobbs, and it's kind of like a, a inside look on uh, his like paintings and the messages behind the stick figures. Hmm. They're like you know from you know capitalism to like gun control to just you know love. Yeah, it's several like different themes, and he has a story behind all these paintings. And I mean we're um we're we're putting this together, and just every time I view it, man, it just gets better and better, man. It's just such like incredible material that we captured. So that's what we're currently nice. you know, working on, and then um. And then we have uh, I have another project um, uh, that I want to definitely get made in, uh, in the future, hopefully sooner. It's uh, a coming of age story. It's loosely based on my life about this young white girl who uh, transfers to a school and and she's around like a like a diverse group of kids, and then she starts mm-hmm. to see like uh, another world like out, outside of her uh, her uh, 
suburb, suburban life, and she starts to find mm-hmm. her voice. It's like a it's a politically charged uh, coming of age uh, film. It's like with a wow. early '90s backdrop. Oh, the music is going to be incredible! I cannot wait for that one. Nice. I can't wait. I can't wait either. Where do you pull inspiration from? Like, is it just your experiences? Do your friends, like, do you pull from your friends? Like, where, where's your inspiration come from? The inspiration is very, like, spontaneous. Uh, mm-hmm. it, well, first thing, it has to be real. It has to come right. from a place where it hits home. And mm-hmm. so I would take at least one, a part of me where it's, it's reality. I've been there. And then I add imagination mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. to kind of make it to fictionalize it. And then once I have that foundation, then I start looking into like visual references when you get ready to shoot. Okay. Like, if, you know, like, like for example, like seeking Valentina. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I already had that life experience, you know, being a homeowner, um, being around a family of landlords and then taking that and, and turning it into a what if. Mm-hmm. And then taking um, everything that I learned, you know, when I studied English literature uh, with character arcs and then learn, taking everything I learned from screenwriting class on, like, the structure of the script. And then uh, and then just after that, uh, I started to find, like, films that helped, like, helped build that tone so for Igmar Bergman's uh, Persona, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, was uh, hmm. a, a visual reference. Uh, and definitely, uh, you know, Hitchcock and um, in those, in those, you know, Stephen King, you know, stories about you know writers, you know, always like um, what do you call it? Um, they're not all there in the head. <laughs> oh right, they're a little bit twisted, a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. For um, so I think some of the problem though with um some of the filmmakers out there, potential filmmakers, you had mentioned earlier that you have your own production company. How does Joe in middle America who wants to be a filmmaker, how does he get that money and, and make a film? Like how does that whole process happen? I personally would not know how in the hell to get money to get, make a film. Well, so the first thing um, you should do is you have to um, work with what you have, work with what, work with what resources mm-hmm. that you have. If you, um, I know there's a there's people out there that would tell you, uh, you know, make a movie, you know, using your smartphone. Okay, if you have a smartphone oh. and there's something that inspires you, use it. I hmm. don't necessarily recommend just depending on the smartphone because it's just a point and shoot. I would definitely get like a DSLR camera. A, a camera mm-hmm. that has like a lens where you can manipulate yeah. it because yeah. that those are great training tools because it gives you an idea about lenses and how you can you know manipulate mm-hmm. a scenario by, okay. by in photographing so i would uh mm-hmm. you know make yourself you know take pictures uh make yourself a good photographer first if you can be a great photographer I think you will be successful as a cinematographer, uh, and then led to you know directing. If you um, 
have a good eye for uh, art department, like art, just any any props, any uh, like set design. I would, uh, you know, delve into that department. Um, of course, editing uh, helps your uh, the final storyteller. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely sound. Uh, if you can pay, if you can make sure the sound is priority. Uh, it's important because sound will either make or break your movie. But mm-hmm. you know, work with what you have. You know, it's all like trial and tribulation. Uh, mm-hmm. Take you know, get get a camera and start taking pictures. And you're gonna take a lot mm-hmm. of bad pictures until you uh, make take good pictures. Mm-hmm. And you know, talk to uh, you know, talk to your friends. You know, see if they want to um, come out and uh, participate with you. Yeah, because you and have no idea team. who is hidden, whose hidden talents are, you know. You never know until you ask. Mm-hmm. I agree. So work with, work with what you have and just keep uh, just keep failing because you're going to mm-hmm. keep learning and you never stop learning. And when you get good, you're, you're, you're never going to stop learning. Nice. And also get and get over any fear you have. Yeah, that's the tough part, I think, for a lot of people. The fear of failing, you know. That's a huge, huge thing. How did you All get those over successful it? people, me? Yeah. I just kept believing. Yeah. I told myself, you know, no matter what happens, you know, uh, I'm going to do this for for myself. Mm-hmm. And you just have to um, just tune out all the naysayers because they only know a part of you. The only person who knows the fool you is yourself. And if you, if this is a profession that you can see yourself do years mm-hmm. from now, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you can't see yourself doing anything else but um, – be a cinematographer or a film director or, or an editor or an actor or an actress, then you know, the sky's the limit. Nice. I do love how you said my favorite part of your story is how you said you did one thing and then did another and did another. You know how to do all that stuff. That's amazing. That is so amazing. It's almost like Going to my company, you know, I work for um, a utility, and my boss tells me what to do, but then I say, have you done it? You know, I, in my head, I'm like, have, have you done what I do? But you literally have. You've, you know, fixed the lighting. You've been the cinematographer. You've, you've done everything, and that is so important because as a director – directing actors you're like okay i i think i know what you're doing but here's here's how you should do it that's so i'm like blown away by your experience wow yeah it, it helps it, it helps a lot because i have uh because i started off as an actor and then went on to directing mm-hmm. so i have uh i know what it's like to be on like both uh sides of your the brain spectrum I know uh, that is so cool. I know good I know good acting but then if I'm directing because I edit it helps so it 
because I've edited, I've done like art department because I've done storyboard. It uh, it helps a lot, you know, to my advantage. And also another thing, another advice I give to uh, to you know that Joe, you know, who's living in Middle America, is mm-hmm. you gotta leave your ego at home. Yeah, true. Very, very true. Never be afraid to uh, learn something. If you don't know it, you still have time to learn. Amazing. Um, any final thoughts before I let you go for the night? Oh yeah, I want to give a, um, I want to give a shout out to uh, to Matt. Uh, thank you so much yeah. uh, for having me uh, on your program. It was, um, you know, it was a blast. Thank you so much. Hope to have and you on again in the future. I would love it. Thank you so much, and um, and you know, I'm always um, anytime like when, any updates, I always I always post it on uh, on my um, on my Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's on uh, at Army Nastery Filmmaker, and then on my Instagram at Army Nastery. Yep, and I did put his info in the description of the show, just so that everybody can follow him and see how adorable he is. Um. Wow, this was, I'm like totally blown. I did not expect you to be as awesome as you are. I knew that you were going to be awesome, but I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect. This is actually, for people that don't know, the first time I'm actually talking to Um One thing that Matt told me was, I, I said, okay, if you're going to represent me, and I told him this, you're going to be like, you're, you're crazy. Um, I said, if you're going to represent me, Never, ever, ever put me in a room with a guy like Harvey Weinstein because you'll have to bail me out of jail <laughs> for for assault. And he said, I only put good people with good people. And I think that's what he did right now. I know I'm a great person, and I know you're a great person, and he just put us together, and I'm just so happy to know you and looking forward to getting to know you better. And Yeah, I'm just... I'm really glad you came on tonight. Thank you so much, man. I mean, look, man, I, I think it's going to take people such as us to uh, redefine mm-hmm. what um, what the industry is going to be. And mm-hmm. Nobody should uh, condone all this, you know, inappropriate behavior that's been going on. Like, the reason why I'm in this profession is, be- mm-hmm. is because I want to tell a story. Yeah. So the, way, the way I felt when I saw and the effect it had on me when I saw the graduate or taxi driver or Alfred Hitchcock mm-hmm. psycho is the same exact feeling I want to have on, on other people, the way that those filmmakers uh, convey their stories visually mm-hmm. and seeing that as a, an audience, an audience member or viewer. And that's uh, why I'm doing this. this. This is my, for my whole uh, uh, purpose is to yes. make sure that everybody ha- has a voice and to keep and some day, more some you know, original kid, content out there. And someday some little kid is going to see your project and say, I mean, inspired me. How amazing would that be? You know, that will make my day, man. I, yeah. You know, I, I, want, <laughs> your I want to inspire somebody <laughs> to find an outlet and stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Wow. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. Again, you can follow him at Armin Nasseri. Um, I butchered it again. I'm sorry. A-R-M-I-N-N-A-S-S-E-R-I. Um, he's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, look for the carding call. I'm definitely going to post out when, when it comes out for him. Definitely. I have to. And I can't wait to see it myself. Um, yeah, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. And guys, don't forget, if you want a review of any project, any movie, TV show, my blog, realemmymorgan.blogspot.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great night. Bye. Still thirsty for more tea? Then check out our upcoming and archived shows right here on our Blog Talk radio page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at The Spilled Tea and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Spilled Tea. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of The Spilled Tea.